Good morning. Hey, there we go. Isn't it good to be in church together? It's amazing, right? It's amazing. This is the first time we've come together without restrictions, right? We can probably get a few more people in here and we're still legal, which is really, really cool. Um, This is going to be weird, but we'll do it anyway. Say Jesus with me. Whisper. Jesus. Shout it. Jesus! Now, that's a privilege we have in this country to proclaim the name of Jesus in a public gathering. It's a privilege. Let us remember and remember and remember how amazing it is to come together as a community. This is a privilege. And lockdown showed us that it sucks not to come together. And, and we, this is a privilege that, um, that we should be prepared to fight for. To be prepared to fight for it. So thank you. Dan, please bring my water, the bottle. Thanks, big guy. So um, firstly, I just want to say thank you to uh, John Marcoma and the Bible Project guys for the, the content. Um, a lot of that's been, been weaved in. And if you haven't been to Bible Project, you're missing out. You need to go and look at Bible Project. It's amazing. And then thank you to Louise, you're amazing for these slides. Just taking that pressure off was just phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I sent Louise this very rough draft, and she did these slides from that draft. I don't know how she managed it, but I wasn't going to play with it. It was like perfect. And then Gary and Richard, thank you. So I went on leave, and uh, Rich opens a series, and he talks about Avoda, and acts like vast the Avo. And I'm like, they're talking about a new kind of avocado. What's gone wrong with this church? But no, the series is Avodah. It's a Hebrew word, which means a life and lifestyle of seamless work and worship, where work is worshipped. And that's the series and journey we're on. And then last week, Ian preached on our mandates, and we have this dual mandate. There's a cultural mandate of building this garden city with the Lord, and then there's a kingdom mandate to go and make disciples of all nations. And this morning, I get to speak to you to you all about the Sabbath. I need to remember which button goes where. Let's see. So what is the Sabbath? Do we know? Well, we're going to have a quiz, and it's very simple. I want you to stick your hand up when you think it's the right answer. Okay, you ready? So, who thinks it's a day of prayers? Let's see a hand. Okay, there's one hand, one, two, three hands. Okay. Who thinks it's a day of walking? Okay, some hands for day of walking. Not applicable. Waste of time. Irrelevant. Brave people. No? Okay, fine. Feast. Day to feast. Okay, see some feasting. It's a pajama day. Jaden, why is your hand not up? That's your favorite. Where's Jordan? This is yours, dude. A duvet and sleep day, hey? Yeah, okay. Is it a public holiday? Yeah, not really. No school day? Is it a Sunday? Maybe. Okay, so those answers were kind of partially correct, okay? Camera crew, are you ready? What is the Sabbath, okay? So I'm going to do a live demonstration of what the Sabbath is. Are you ready? So this first demonstration is a live demonstration of what the Sabbath is not, okay? And then I'm going to come back and do what it is, okay? You ready? So this is how most of your weeks start. (laughs) 
So that's, that's not the Sabbath. <laughs> He's worried about me. Okay, I'm, pr- I'm praying I don't pull a hamstring doing it for the second time. Okay, let's try again. This is the Sabbath. And then you carry on. That's the Sabbath. You just stop. You just stop if you can. <laughs> okay, so, yo, can you change the screen for me so I can see the other one? I don't know. <clears throat> Too late. It's fine, it's fine. So, now I've got my breath back. It's um, important to pay attention the first time something's mentioned in the Bible, right? It's called the principle of first mention. And what it means is, where it's mentioned for the first time, the definition, that defines the word. So guess what? The word Sabbath comes up right in the beginning. And let's go have a look, see what it says. It's Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And if you go to the next slide and you have a look at the Amplified, I want you to have a look there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go backwards. There we go. Uh, there's the button. So there's the word I want you to focus on. Ceased, which is kind of what I was trying to do over there. And then over here it says sanctified as his own that is set it apart as holy from other days. So it's separate. It's different. And um, you know the number seven, God doesn't do anything by mistake, right? He does everything on purpose. The number seven is connected to the idea of completeness, fullness. It's known as God's number. It represents perfection. And creation was brought to completion on the seventh day. It didn't get finished on the sixth. It was completed on the seventh day. The rest was part of it. And it's no coincidence that the Sabbath is on the seventh day. And so there's a key here to finding completeness and fullness in your life. If you want to move from surviving to thriving, please pay attention this morning. And I'm praying that this message will unlock something for you. Right, so let's look at the next slide. So now, God thinks and believes that the Sabbath is so important that He puts it into the law, okay? So who knows the Ten Commandments? This is, the, this is from that text, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Okay, so no carryover. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It's a really interesting scripture because it brings in the concept of your whole household. It's not just you. It's your whole household. It's everybody. 
Okay, so what does this word mean, the Sabbath? What does it actually mean? The Hebrew word is sabbat. And it simply means to stop, to cease, or to keep. That's it. To stop, to cease, or to keep. That's what the word means. Not complicated. So, Anthony, what does this mean today? Really? Some observations. So the Sabbath was God's idea before the law. You know, it's, and it, it was his idea, and he said we needed to rest. Who are we to say that we don't need to Sabbath? And who are we to say it's not relevant? So that's your starting point. Let's take it from there. The Sabbath is a picture of God and his creation. God prioritized rest, and he ceased from creating to enjoy his creation with his creation. It's a picture of God himself in intimate and personal fellowship. It's a place of relationship and sharing. So if God is not part of your Sabbath, it's not a Sabbath, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Cool, because we're going to come back to that. The next point is, it's a rhythm of blessing. So God set up this rhythm. Work for six days, and then avodah. Well, that's avodah, and then rest, which is stop and cease. And the Sabbath is blessed. And John Marcoma says, what does that mean? It means there is a life-giving power about the seventh day. It's a spiritual thing. And so every week we have the opportunity to bless God and enter into His blessing, and He blesses us. It's this two-way street. It's a rhythm of harmony with our Creator, and it's not meant to be commingled with the busyness of life. And you know, when we don't take our Sabbath, we reap the consequence of splat, stress, exhaustion, fatigue, true it means set apart and holy so what does that mean it's, well strong says it like this to, to consecrate to sanctify to prepare to dedicate to be hallowed to be holy to be separate okay so this idea that you can sabbath while you work not that's that's your daily prayer that's your daily devotion that's not sabbathing right your devotion is not the Sabbath. It's different. So it's a day to be and not to do. And Gary finds it really hard. It's true. And I do too. I do too. It's my wife's even worse than me. <laughs> She's blushing. <laughs> now listen to this. Isn't God amazing? It's the fourth commandment. Okay, Anthony, big deal. So what? It's the fourth commandment. And this was just a little aha moment for me. This, and I, you know, Gary can correct theology later, but this was my aha moment. Um, so the first three commandments are about our relationship with God. Okay? If you go and have a look at them closely. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath. The next six commandments are all about our relationship with man. And you go, hold on. God did that on purpose. Because the first three, it's all about the Trinity, our relationship with God. The fourth one, who knows what the number four means? If you look in the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the four corners of the earth. It typically means the four corners of the earth, the whole earth. Okay? Number four, the whole earth, everything. Number six is man's number. It's the number for man. So what's God saying? In a nutshell, a lifestyle of Sabbathing puts us in a place of intimate relationship with our Maker and God first, so that we can engage and have relationship with mankind 
in such a way that we bring the kingdom of God to the four corners of the earth. It's right there in the, in the law of all places. And that's, what, that's what's amazing about Scripture. You dig a little deeper and you find these beautiful pictures and these hidden gems. So the Sabbath is a picture of thriving and not surviving. So it's a resting posture with a defined start and a defined finish, right? Um, we rest in knowing that God has provided for you on the Sabbath, that you can actually stop. And if you can't tell the difference between your Sabbath and the other six days of the week, guess what? It's not a Sabbath. <laughs> okay? If you just come to church and you carry on doing what you normally do, it's not a Sabbath. And it's a rest. It's a time to rejuvenate spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally. And from that place of rest, you're able to hear God's voice, get in touch with where your family is really at. It's life-giving. Why? Because it's blessed. Resting prepares you for the week ahead. It provides a spacious place from which creativity, problem-solving, kingdom perspectives, and blessing flows. And get this. Do you know what Jesus did after he went to the cross? He died, and he spent his day of death in the tomb on the Sabbath. Ultimate rest, right? So what? So that there could be resurrection life. So here's a temperature test. If you Sabbath or when you try, do you feel better? Do you feel restored? Do you feel strengthened after your Sabbath? Or do you feel worse than when you went in? Because then there was something wrong. Okay. Now this is really profound, right? Okay. Like Anthony, what work do you do? Like this one, the day before the first day of the week. Okay. What's so important about that? Well, guess what? The first day of the week is a new beginning, right? Okay? Maybe you're looking for new beginnings in your life. And you're not Sabbathing. Maybe just think about how you're Sabbathing. So you can find a new beginning. Because it's a rhythm. It's a rhythm. You know that Jesus was raised from the dead on the eighth day? which was the first day of the week. And that was the ultimate new beginning. Again, God doesn't do things by mistake. And because of His resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of the future ultimate rest, right? And we are on a journey to that ultimate seventh day. On the way there, we're invited to experience real rest now with Jesus every week. If you rest, you will move from surviving to thriving. And guess what? You'll be a much better image bearer of your Maker. You know what? So often we like grinding and grafting hard and then we try to represent God's kingdom well and we really mess it up, right? Because that, that reservoir is gone. You don't have what you need. And I want to share an example with you. So we were in the Kalahari, which is in the Northern Cape, and we were at the Tuarifurian Rest Camp and we found our first leopard with cubs. How cool was that? And we knew where the leopard was staying. It was staying on the ridge. It was a binocular viewing, but it was on the ridge. And we had one more morning at that campsite. So we agreed as a family, that morning we were going to be the first ones out. We got into the park first. We drove slowly, because we knew the leopards were there. And it was before sunrise. And then we stopped. I found this massive tree. 
and we watch the sunrise behind this tree. And while we're watching this beautiful moment, we've ceased, we've stopped. These cars are going past us. They know the leopard's there, but they're sort of driving slowly, and they're looking, not can't see it, keep going. I want to go find other animals. They're rushing past us to go find something that's not there. And in that moment, we just were just, it was just a beautiful moment, and the kids are taking photos, and who was it? Was it you or was it Jaden or Daniel who spotted it? It was Jaden. Suddenly, Jaden just shouts out, Look, there's the leopard! And sure, there was the leopard. It was the leopard and the two cubs that got up at sunrise, right opposite us. And we're the only ones who saw it because we'd stopped and we'd rested. And out of that place of rest comes beauty, comes blessing. And no one else got it. They were all there, same location, same timing. They didn't stop. And they missed that moment. And it was probably one of the highlights of our trip. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then we have to face this nonsense, right? The system, the world system, legalism. And it attacks us every day versus the kingdom way. Like, Anthony, seriously, do you really expect me to think about everything? Like, this sounds hard. You know that it was even harder in the Old Testament because back then, you know what the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was? Death. Okay, you broke the Sabbath, they killed you. Like, there's no in-between. You don't do what I tell you, I kill you. Like, God started the mafia, right, way back then. Hey, like seriously. Like seriously, God, like why did you do that? Anyway, so the religious leaders, they obviously didn't like killing people because they then said, okay, we need, because the Bible doesn't really define what work is, right? You've got to go and look at Avodah. But, what these guys did is they then said, right, you can walk so far, you can do this, you can do that. And they wrote another 1,500 sub-laws, rules. And they created this complex system. And that's why if you were a little Jewish boy, you had to go to school for a long time to learn all those rules. Otherwise, if you got them wrong, they killed you. Okay? So it was serious, right? You get it wrong, you die. Okay? Important to understand that. So what happened? That legalism robbed Israel of the meaning and blessing of the Sabbath. And you'll see why in a moment. And you know that legalism plus religion, which is exactly what that was, is an ancient cocktail specifically designed to disempower the church and our relationship with the Lord. It's still here today. And then on the other side of that spectrum, you've got liberalism, which says you can do what you want, when you want, and that's equally disruptive. And the net effect is the Sabbath, which was a good thing, became a dead work. And there's this false belief, and it's today, and I'm sure it's in this room here as well, that the Sabbath is no longer relevant. And it doesn't matter. And it's part of the law. And that's wrong. God created the Sabbath for us, and we'll get into that in a a bit. Um, The Sabbath is absolutely relevant today. And taking a Sabbath is a choice. And it requires unity and a strong will as a family because there will be choices that you'll need to make. Sometimes those choices are quite hard. So, what does it look like today? So Jesus is ultimately the Lord of the Sabbath and I'm going to unpack that for you. So to set the scene, I want to read to you from Luke 4 verse 16. 
So he came to Nazareth. Who knows, Nazareth was, was Jesus' hometown, okay? where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, that's important. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And in the eyes of all who were in the synagogue, and, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And if you keep reading, they were so offended, they drove him out to the edge of a hill to try and kill him. Why was it so offensive? So this was the day that Jesus launched his ministry, okay? This text. And right in the beginning, Luke 4 verse 16, it says there that Jesus had a custom of going to the synagogue. So they were used to him coming to the synagogue, right? He was there every week. And he launches his ministry on the Sabbath in his hometown. Bit of a Joseph moment, like they try and kill him. But the thing that offends them is this, when he says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor, and it's fulfilled in this place, in this moment. That was so offensive to them because the whole system was built on the Sabbath. And then off the Sabbath, you have seven feasts. And then you have every seven years, the ground rests. And then you have the year of Jubilee. And he's saying, I am the year of Jubilee. Today, it's fulfilled in me. And they were like, who do you think you are? So Jesus is our rest and our Sabbath, and He is the fulfillment of the Jubilee. So now, I want to take you to Mark 2, verse 26. And what's fascinating, when you go and look at Luke 6, verse 1, it's just hidden, and I just saw it last night. It says there, it refers to, this happened after the first Sabbath. And I'm like, huh? What's He referring to? And I honestly think He's referring to this moment. This was the first Sabbath where Jesus launched his ministry. Again, this is just Antony. Don't, don't, don't get hung up on it. But you'll see why it's profound. It'll come back. It'll come back. It's profound. It's profound. So, I'm going to read to you from Mark 2, verse 23. All right. uh, okay, I've covered all those points. There we go. So, Mark 2, verse 26. So, this is the story now. So, this, I think, may well be the second Sabbath after Jesus has launched his ministry. So what does he do? He and his disciples are in the cornfields. His disciples are hungry and they chow. Okay? Now that's work and it's breaking one of those 1500 rules because you may not harvest. That's work. Okay? So he's broken the law. And guess what? The Pharisees see him and they say, how can you do what's not lawful on the Sabbath? In other words, we have a right to kill you. We tried to kill you last week, but you escaped. Now you've given us, another, you've given us a real reason to kill you. Why should we not kill you? And you know what Jesus says? He says, do you know, and he talks, I'm going to leave the intro out, but he talks about David. Do you know that David went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Whoa! 
<coughs> hey, that's a snort club. Hey, to use Bruce language. Like, like, like he seriously just poked the Pharisees in the eyes. And what was Jesus saying? He was saying that the Pharisees had no jurisdiction over Jesus. He was saying to them, you don't have the authority to kill me because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Whoa! Okay? And then he's saying, all those stupid rules you wrote about the Sabbath are a waste of time. And you can't kill my disciples either. That's what he's saying, right? Okay. So, the Sabbath has been made specially for man, and it is a gift to us. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not this big stick that comes down and beats you. And the cool thing is that man needs the Sabbath. The Sabbath does not need man. And Jesus is saying here that man can't define and control and rule the Sabbath. We can't decide that the Sabbath is something else and we can still somehow lock into the blessing, right? It's, it's, it's made for us in the way it's made for us. We can't change that. And so, in today's language, let's imagine a car. Where's Paulo? There you are. So imagine a car, right? And imagine you're driving with Jordan Bradshaw, okay? He's just got his license. And now this car has no brakes. Jenna, should I put you in the example? And this car has no brakes. Imagine what that would be like. It would be pretty scary. You wouldn't be able to stop. You'd have accidents. Bah. It'd be a bit chaotic, right? A car without brakes is not a good idea. There'd be a lot of damage done. Guess what? The brakes are made for the car. They are the Sabbath to the car. They help the car stop and avoid accidents and disaster. You cannot say that the car was made for the brakes. No, the brakes was made for the car. Does that make sense? And then Paul took it another step this morning in the prayer meeting where he said, you know what? Stop signs and traffic lights are moments to stop in traffic. And when we're in community and one of us just continues to ignore them and break the speed limit and ram through red lights and cause an accident. Yeah. It creates a bottleneck or it creates a disaster. It impacts the whole community, right? Because someone doesn't want to rest, doesn't want to stop. There's an impact. Seen or unseen. So, Jesus is the ultimate Sabbath. And what he's saying is, the Sabbath pointed to me, and it's happening in front of you. We cannot find rest apart from or without Jesus. And Jesus was saying that true rest was being fulfilled in their sight. And he smashes all legalism. Absolutely smashes it. And he connects it back to the Jubilee which is the ultimate place of favor and restitution and grace, where all debts are canceled and paid. So in the year of Jubilee, after 50 years, if you owed someone money, they canceled your debt. If you lost your land, they gave your land back. Okay? That was a monetary system. But Jesus has brought shalom, or completeness, to the Sabbath. And he has brought spiritual restoration and spiritual restitution. How much more is it to forgive the debts of sin? over monetary debts. So much more valuable. And he's saying, guys, what's happening in front of you is so much more valuable than the year of Jubilee. 
Dealing with the debt of sin is far greater than the jubilee restitution. So, I won't read the whole thing to you. Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30. And Gary, I might need to borrow your translation, if you really. Um, so, where was I going to start? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks, Gary. And the message says it like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll, you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Thanks, Gary. So Jesus proclaims he's the ultimate rest, and he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And what's really cool is he confirms that with signs that break the law, right? He goes and he breaks the laws on the Sabbath on purpose. And Jesus is saying that false religion and legalism is a heavy burden. He's also saying that his burden is easy and light. So with Jesus, you can find rest for your soul. And you can only find it through Jesus. So Anthony, like, how does this work? What about some practicalities? And I, I'm going to be the first one to say, like, we've not arrived, okay? Evans family, yeah, we haven't arrived. We try, but we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And so the first thing is just to come together as a family and share a common goal. And, do you want to, and you've got to remember to come together, right? It's not someone having a quiet time and then someone doing something else. It's coming together. And don't get hung up on the day of the week. Figure out what works for your schedules. Don't get hung up on the day of the week. Prepare for the Sabbath. So it's actually a rest. Okay? Now, in uh, Hebrew culture, guess what? The new day starts from sunset. As the sun sets, the new day starts. And so many Christians... If you get a word, your new day has started. You're like, Lord, it's still dark. Guess what? You've got to get through a few hours of darkness before the sun rises, but your new day has started. Okay? So start with an evening meal. Start with something manageable. Take baby steps. Try dinner and an evening. See how that goes. Then add a breakfast. Maybe you can extend it to brunch. Okay? Try aim for once a month or once a quarter. Just start a baby step. Baby step. Okay. Teenagers, are you listening? Dealing with technology and work from home, this new post-COVID thing. I call it law. Live at work. This is not nice, right? So you need to talk about, as a family, healthy boundaries. If I'm a dad, and I am a dad, sorry. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. And I'm meant to be with my boys, but I'm doing stuff on my phone. 
Jomakoma says that's a sin of technology. Like, what are you doing? Like, if he's having coffee with someone and they're Facebooking, he's like, dude, I'm here in the physical. Talk to me. So these devices, they need some boundaries. So try a phone or device box for mealtimes. And importantly, for the Sabbath. Everyone's phone goes in the box, the lid goes on, Dad has the key, it gets locked. Done. Done. And you know what? Some of the grandparents here, that's harder for you than for the teenagers. Not mentioning any names. <laughs> what about the Sunday Times? The Sunday Times is not good for the Sabbath. Nor is Twitter. Nor is YouTube, social media. They're not good for the Sabbath, right? It's a distraction. Why are you focusing on the world's headlines? Do you know there's this thing on your phone? And you've all forgotten because you're not flying anymore. It's called aeroplane mode. You should try it. Push aeroplane mode. You can still listen to worship songs and you won't get messages. But you still get diary reminders and that irritates me. <laughs> try Heaven's Headlines for a change. Hey? Which one? Oh, so y'all are saying, do an example. So in, in the Kalahadi, um, the boys know when we're going to the bush, so we often do overlanding trips. And the way we do it is, when we're in the bush, we go off the grid. So um, I'm famous, my out-of-office is quite famous now. It says, I'm out of the office in an area without signal. And I, don't even put a, I don't even put a return date, because I, I used to drive a Defender, and I wasn't quite sure when I'd get back. <laughs> so, you know, I just like left that a bit fuzzy. And, um, and the kids know, like, when we're going into the bush, it's a no-signal zone. So, last message to girlfriend, off it goes. And everyone's done. That's for Josh, not me, just by the way. <laughs> and, um, and that week in the Kalahari felt like two weeks, felt like a month. Because we were disconnected from the world at large. You know what? The world keeps spinning, hey? God doesn't need our help. He really doesn't. And the world just keeps going. It's amazing. Yeah. Find creative ways to Sabbath. So do what is life-giving with close family and friends with God at the center. Some moderate exercise, creative outlets, painting, imagining, dreaming, journaling. Take some time to interpret your dreams. You know, um, when we go to the bush, I'll try and just sit with the boys, and we dream as a family. You all know that. And we'll sit and we'll go through a dream, and we'll pray together, and we'll say, Lord, what does this dream mean? And it's beautiful because we brought God into that holiday, into that moment. Um, and it's so special. And things unlock for your kids. Meditate on the Word together. Worship. Have a quiet time. Stillness. Go for a walk. Natural beauty. Be together. Contemplate. Imagine the impossible. Listen. Reflect on your emotions and how you feel. Write them down. Pray for someone. Look for an opportunity to do good. There is so much you can do without technology. There really is. And then, think broader than week to week and month to month, right? Because if you look at the, the setup in Israel, they had a weekly Sabbath, and they had seven festivals each year. And I tried to work out how many days each festival was, but it was complicated, so I couldn't figure it out. But the reality is they had some extra days in there. And then every seven years, they'd rest. The ground would rest. And then every 49 years, there was the Jubilee. So when you take a step back and you look at your life, what does the bigger picture pattern of rest look like? How do you rest as a family? 
You can see the seasons you're going into ahead of time. Have you thought about where and how you're going to rest? One of the things I've done with my boys is, I'm over time, is I will take them, just dad and myself, woof, we go away for a weekend. We have some fun. We spend some time praying. We chat about stuff. It's around 13, you can figure that out. And destiny and calling. And it's a beautiful time. Think about it. So think about your life and how you build the Sabbath principles into your, your, broader, your, your broader world. And think about who you can invite in to bless and teach and show. Because you know what? It's, it's awkward. It doesn't. It goes against the grain, right? And you know what? The other thing, and Rich said it, is I haven't met anyone who's been fired. So I've taken calls from my boss and I've said, I'm having dinner. Can I phone you later? I remember we were doing a deal. This very aggressive hedge, um, American um, fund wanted a call on Easter Sunday. First time I took the call. And I sit there and I sat there doing this call for three hours on Sunday afternoon. And I promise you, I cannot remember what that call was about, but I remember missing out on the most special day, Easter Sunday. The next year, they did it again. And I said, no. We're not doing the call. Not that you're going to do it without me. We are not doing the call. And they backed off. They backed off. My boss does not expect me to answer my phone when I'm on holiday because he knows I'm off the grid. And he's learned He's learned. So don't be scared to draw the boundary lines because they're really, really helpful. Um, Sabbath is a day for healing. Do you know that there are eight accounts of what Jesus did on the Sabbath and seven of them were miraculous, irrefutable healings and deliverance? God has provided the Sabbath as a gift to enable each and every one of us to thrive and live our lives to the full instead of toiling and surviving. And I personally believe that the rhythm of the Sabbath is essential for our futures. It's essential for post-COVID. It's essential. We're living in a world where people are realizing they're not in control. And they're trying harder to get control. And they're hitting the wall. They're falling apart. I've seen people First hand, boom. Mentally gone. Emotionally gone. They haven't learned how to rest. They've just tried to work harder. That's what the world says. Work harder. Work harder. Work harder. Work faster. Jesus says, stop. Come to me. So let's... Um, let's... How are we for time, Rich? So um, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that, so I'm done, my preach is finished, but I'm just trying to feel what to do next. So I've, I want to take us, we haven't been together for a while, right? So let's be bold and take a step towards the Lord in this moment. So if you can get that song ready, you're ready. So everyone stand up, and this isn't really a song, it's a... Uh, it's one of my favorite artists, Jeremy Riddle, and it's just a spontaneous expression of rest. And the band can come up to the stage as well. And let's just trust the Lord 
in this moment. And as you listen to the sounds of the music and the words, just reflect on where you are and where you are with Jesus and your place of rest. And ask Holy Spirit, show me. What can I do? So just sink into the song. It's not really a song. You'll see what I mean. But it's very relaxing. And uh, let's see what God does. Gary? Yeah, uh, Paul Elliot sent me a, um, a news clipping from New Zealand yesterday. And what it was was a South African family that moved and emigrated across to New Zealand. Uh, the husband, some kind of orthopedic surgeon. Um, they both are. And uh, three kids. And anyway, after two weeks of quarantine, the wife killed their three kids, literally. And is now obviously up for murder. Sure. And, uh, and, and I, I share that not, not for a shock factor on one level. I, I share that from a point of view of I've realized within our own family, uh, a couple of months ago, Louise and I sat down and we said, this COVID thing, this lockdown, the stresses, the strains, we need help. Well, she needed help. I didn't. I just knew that she needed help. <laughs> and I'm just bringing some humor to it. You can clearly understand. And, and I do believe that there's more of you here this morning, that your marriages are under pressure, your lives are under pressure, and partly because we're not doing this. I was asked by Richard to preach this preach, and I said no. And the reason for it was because I realized I had slipped away from these things, and I didn't want to stand up here and be hypocritical. And so I hospital pastor to Anthony. Because it is a tough thing, this. And I believe that as we listen to this song, God's going to be speaking to you. And you know what the biggest problem that will stop you moving forward in this process is pride. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We're in a safe place here. Louise and I have sought counsel from people that we trust, we've sat with, help us through this process. And Louise is finally coming around. But, yeah, keep digging. I'm in trouble already. I might as well just keep going. <laughs> yeah, that wall picture, that's me later. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm fitter than her, so I think I can last longer. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in trouble. And in the humor of it, I'm hoping to break down your pride. Mm. And I do believe there's a response. If you're struggling, personally, relationally, whatever it might be. Because you know what happens, and in these moments, we actually kill the people closest to us and the people that are most valuable and meaningful to us. Because we get critical, we point fingers, we blame shift, and we go back to Genesis chapter 3. And so what I'm saying to you this morning is, here's an opportunity to go, God, I, sur I freely surrender again, and I step into that space of saying, come and help me, and I, I, I humble myself because I need your grace. But if you stand there and say, no, I've got it all together and I don't want to, I want to show face because I'm a leader and I'm this, and I'm being vulnerable from my side and Louisa's side this morning to say we've needed help. I'm sure there's others here that need help in this process. Let's not, not respond to this moment and land up killing those close to us. And maybe it's not physically, but certainly relationally, emotionally, whatever it is. Make sense? Back to you. Thanks, Gary. Something just to what Gary was saying. Um, I've been coaching, and it's a it's 
it's off the charts, the mental and emotional wellness in this time and with COVID. And, um, you know, that's one of many stories, that lady and what happened and what drove her to that point. Um, and, and obviously we've also, as Anthony said, not arrived and we are very much taking stock of, of this with, to, with busy lives. And um, I was just in preparation for this preach, I, I showed Anthony something that I watched um, in the week and it was about exactly this, about our priorities. And I've been saying to him, I'm, I'm not good at this and, and actually, you know, focusing on the priorities. Um, what Rich always says, putting the priorities first. And um, yeah, just uh, that we get overwhelmed. And I, I just felt, um, you know, just that a lot of us need prayer for being, of that feeling of overwhelm, overcommitted, and uh, overworked. And uh, yeah, maybe that's a place to pray for people. Um, but in this, in this whole thing, it was just about, he was speaking about just taking stock of three commodities or three resources that we have. It's our time, our energy, and our priorities, and how we actually put, string those three together, giving priority to the things that are priority when we have our best energy. Um, and actually, just it's, it's a very good way of just looking at it and doing the, the, the things that are easy in the time where, where our energy is low. And I just think there are some practical things, but there's also prayer and prayer for you know, how to navigate this and, and how to navigate other people demanding on our priorities and our time. So I don't know if you resonate with that, but just to pray for people who are feeling overwhelmed.